Happy New Year. Can you believe it's January 2024? I can't. And alas, here we are. I've got so many special interviews for you this month. We're really talking about how we can deepen into presence. So we're going to talk about tools that allow us to do that, somatic tools, physical tools that help us beautify the space, which encourages us to want to be present in the space, and so much more. So if you're in a time in your life when you are ready to feel more present with yourself, with your loved ones, with your surroundings, you're going to want to tune in. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you as well. And I want to encourage you to join the Facebook group so you can join the conversation. And I will include a link to that in the notes of each episode. Thanks. Hello and welcome to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Bridges, and here on this show, we dive deep into all things mothering, sistering, and humaning. Because the roles that you play are something you learned, not who you are. Let's begin. This episode is like a breath of fresh air during a time when that's exactly what we need. So drop in with Kenlin and I as we talk about the fertile void and why it's so important for us to honor the luminous emptiness. If you don't know what that is, you're not alone and you will find out in today's episode. I'll see you inside the episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. This conversation is already juicy. I knew it would be. Kenlin Colleen is here, and we're going to be talking all things alter. And before we dive into the conversation, though, I just want to share how Kenlin and I met We met through a leadership program called Heartcore Leadership in in San Diego, and we were in the same uh, cohort. And something I want you to know about Kenlin is that she comes forward with this energy of femininity and softness and sweetness and also so much power. Um, And it's such an interesting combination to be in her field. Um, And I'm just so grateful for your work, Kenlin, that you do in the world and for the community that you create and for the beauty that you radiate. So thank you so much for being here. Um, And will you just start us out by telling us a little bit about who you are and the work that you do in the world? Yeah, thank you. I'm so honored to be here after the many years ago when we did our leadership program. My mm-hmm. gosh, that was like a rite of passage mm-hmm. for sure. And and here we are. Yes. So we can say that this is a bit of a testament to yes. doing that work mm-hmm. to show up more deeply. Yeah. So I'm honored to be here, Isabel. Thank you for having me. 
Um, I am the founder of the Evolving Sisters Network. And before that, I ran some summits called the Divine Feminine Summit. So maybe some of your listeners heard of that. We Mm -hmm. activated divine feminine archetypes in women as sources of power. And I think we'll carry that theme through in this Mm -hmm. conversation. But now I've created, using from that that as a springboard, created um, a network where it's a large community of awakening women to heal, to empower themselves, and to be evolutionary feminine leaders. And so we get together as members, and I also curate courses among members to offer for sale inside of the Evolving Sisters Network. I kind of see this as like a, a spiritual marketplace where no longer are we looking to other people uh, like luminaries, celebrities to tell us who we are, but we are actually living as leaders and teachers as at the same time as we are students. So to me, that's a new definition of leadership, an Aquarian, we call it like an Aquarian definition of leadership where I, I like liken it to a figure eight where we're mm. giving and we're receiving and mm. it's grassroots and we're on the same level. There's no more hierarchy in terms of someone's better than me and they know more than I do because no one knows more about you than you. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'll say as my intro. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm so happy to be here. Yes. So no one knows more about you than you. I'm just thrilling letting that drop in for me. Mm. I think we really all need to hear that. I'm I'm just feeling a lot of nodding from our listeners. (laughs) Okay, Kenlyn. Now, what does empowerment mean to you? Yeah, if we pick up on that Mm -hmm. theme, you know, nothing, nothing, no one knows more about you than you. I think that's the basis of empowerment. And that is to know yourself. To know yourself fully. And I will even say, not just knowing yourself, but really accepting yourself. Mm-hmm. Because we are all divine, but we're showing up in different templates. And those mm-hmm. templates have a history and conditioning and all the things that we get to overcome in our Shiro's journey. And so we incarnated, we chose this, we chose our lives. We I play the game that we chose our lives. That mm-hmm. makes me feel more power, powerful and empowered. And so for me, the empowerment is really knowing yourself and accepting yourself. And from that place, we know what's true for us and we can act accordingly. So imagine a world where each one of us is really connected to our inner knowing and our inner truth. That's just a level of power that no system, no government, no oppressor can ever take away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So true to know thyself. So then give us a little peek behind the curtain on your inner knowing journey. And how did you come to this place of like doing the inner work to the point of being someone who leads others to their own inner work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a it was a long journey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the journeys are going faster now, but mm-hmm. my journey was really slow and I incarnated you know with a template that 
I didn't really know myself. Mm -hmm. And so I took a lot of the projections of my family on and, you know, each of our families has this kind of standard of what is successful. Mm -hmm. And that serves to really rile up a lot of our conditioning. And that's what it did for me. And so I kind of got the memo early on that I, that I needed to perform, that I needed to get straight A's, that I needed to be really good at doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I went to law school and graduated at the top of my class. But I never cracked the code on who I really was. And it wasn't until I got divorced and kind of had that dark night of the soul moment, which really for me, I say lasted years, where I had to meet myself. And there was just a lot of wounding in the way. So I had to confront the wounding. I had to be the parent of my inner child. And that just takes what it takes. I remember a therapist in Boulder, Colorado said to me, yeah, just do that about a thousand times and you'll see a difference. Mm -hmm. And that helped a lot because mm -hmm. I might have been looking for that one shot deal, but that helped to know that no, it's just over and over and over again. I meet that wounded inner child and keep loving her. And that's how I eventually... Um, came to this place where I get to hold space for other people doing the same. You talk about the dark night of the soul and how that night lasted several years for you. And I'm also just aware that when this podcast airs, we'll be in some of the longest nights of the year. Mm -hmm. And so just inviting our listeners to kind of take note of their own inner landscape right now. And if you're in a place of darkness, mm -hmm. um, just know that that's just a spot on the cycle, right? And it's not a forever place, but it can feel like forever when we're in the depths of darkness, which I have been in the dark night of the soul place too. And it's so, um, so challenging and I, what I also know about the darkness of this season is that we can be candles in the darkness and we can shine our own inner light out. And then when two of us come together or three of us or 10 of us, then that light slowly begins to grow brighter and brighter um, and that we don't necessarily need the light of the sun, which is like that masculine knowledge, right? But we can burn bright with our own inner wisdom and the collective wisdom that we all share. So I would love to just get your take on that first. Yeah, the dark night, the soul. Oh my goodness. You know, it kind of is like a, a new moon. I like to follow the moon cycles. And the new moon is um, the, the time of the fertile void. Or we could call it luminous emptiness, to use a Tibetan term, Buddhist term. And one of the teachers I follow said that that luminous void, that emptiness, is actually filled with love. Because mm. someone had asked him, I never hear Tibetan Buddhism talk about love. And he's like, yeah, it's, um, it's luminous emptiness. It's the fertile void. 
So if we think about that dark night of the soul, where we're really confronting the deep wounding, the deep conditioning, we also get to know that we're so held. That void is not nothing. It's everything. And it's holding you and me and saying, yeah, keep going, go there. We say in the feminine world, in my community, that to ascend, we all want to ascend and go to the light. We have to descend first. It's, mm-hmm. it's The feminine goes down into the dark womb space, that fertile void. And I noticed I mean, at the time, years ago, decades ago, when I was first introduced to this experience, I didn't love it and I fought it and it, because it was so painful and I didn't have the nervous system for it. I didn't have tools. But over time, when that hits now, it might at first be like, oh, oh, you know, mm-hmm. and then... I just thank the descent because there's some kind of gift in there. There's something like I will emerge more authentic. I'm going to emerge like lighter, freer, because something is ready to be witnessed and to be let go of. And oftentimes it's a way of being. And most of the time it's a way of being. And so to grow and have the expansion that we all want to have requires, you know, just like nature does. Nature doesn't constantly, it's not constant summer. (laughs) We have to have that winter, the inward spaces to regenerate. And that is exactly the material of the expansion that we'll experience when our spring comes or when our summer comes. So, so beautiful. So speaking of tools, one of the tools that you bring is the altar. So creating an altar for oneself. Um, How can we use this tool? First of all, what is this tool? And then how can we use it to support ourselves um, during whatever season of life we find ourselves in? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, I think that we got connected over this during a, I think I was doing a three-day purpose to prosperity. Mm -hmm. You were, and you chimed in and one of the days was on a Friday So I had us all make a Venus altar because Fridays are Venus days. And if you know anything about Venus, she is the goddess of love, materiality, abundance, nature, and relationships, money, wealth, everything material that we have is because of Venus. The archetype of Venus, let's say that. So you don't even have to put the name on it, but the energy of Venus. So Fridays is her day. And so I was having everyone wear green because that's her color and create an altar to Venus. And one of the days I did that a while back, I just walked around my house and I just was in this relationship with beauty, this relationship with 
love with with the abundance. And I just walked around my house and said, so what would like to be on my altar? Mm. And this is something that mothers can do with their kids. It makes it Mm. really fun because it creates like a sacredness. Anything we put our attention on grows. And if we put our attention on the sacred, then we give our children and ourselves a way to experience something that oftentimes gets so lost, which is beauty, mm. capital B. Because to me, if you, if you keep pulling the layers off of why we're here, I ultimately come to beauty with a capital B. To, to experience beauty, to be beauty, to make beauty, to be the conduit of beauty. So Venus is a great place to start because that's her domain. So I just walked around my house and, and then walk outside, find a flower, like, oh, this is the perfect flower. And find, I found rocks or um, pictures, even food, like really luscious figs or uh, those incredible dragon fruits that have like hot pink on the inside of them. You know, mm. you could think about mm-hmm. how incredible fruit looks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so no matter you know what time of season it is, and it can be seasonal too, we can create an altar. And, and in a way, we do that when we decorate, mm-hmm. don't we? We decorate for the seasons. It's, mm-hmm. it's sort of this ritual and um, I'm going to be doing this ritual this week. Uh, I was just uh, with my aunt who passed. Um, we all gathered around her at the hospital on Sunday. And I just said to my family, who's not really into this kind of thing, I'm like, let's print out her photos and make an altar. So we're now sharing her photos on text and And I'm going to get the things that she liked, like she liked coffee. So I'm going to pour some coffee and have that in a cup next to her photo, next to some flowers. If I had access to her jewelry, I could put something there. In fact, I have uh, one of the necklaces she gave me to wear in her wedding. I have, So I can bring that into the altar. I can put a candle. It can be so simple. But that's something that the whole family can be a part of. And and then I'm consciously directing energy. So after a person passes, the first 40 days are said to be pretty important. Mm -hmm. So I hold her in my awareness uh, every day. And I say this prayer to her soul and to support her in crossing over. Sometimes we think that the job is done once they've left mm-hmm. their body, but it's not done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we get to midwife their soul. And the Tibetans have a lot to say about that. The Egyptians had a lot to say about that. Um, some other Eastern traditions have a lot to say about that. So whatever it is, I like to support the soul in their journey. And I do that through the remembrance of this um, sacred altar. And so it doesn't have to be any certain way. It just can be your own creativity and whatever is meaningful for you. And that just infuses your life with this sacredness and this purpose and this meaning. And it's a way to share with 
kids, you know, even not even by saying things conceptually, just by doing things, and then they can see it and experience the impact of it themselves. Yeah. Something I hear you saying without necessarily using the word is presence. Feel like um, altars help us slow down and be present. Uh, the yeah, that's what is really coming up for me. And then the resistance to the slowing down and the presence, because for me, something that comes with presence often is this emotion of grief or sometimes anger or there the uh, those more difficult emotions come up when I'm present. And so um, more in the past than current, but my MO has been to avoid the present. And so I think that is one of the reasons in the past I have avoided um, just creating a beautiful altar. So I don't know if you can speak to that resistance at all. What a beautiful understanding, like right there even produces an opening because you're Mm. aware of that perhaps hidden fear of, oh gosh, you know, I can hear it too. Like, oh, if I do that and I feel that anger, what am I going to do with that? Or what am I going to do with the grief? I don't have time to grieve. I don't have time to get angry. Um, And I think that's the interesting part. When my dog died, she taught me about grief Mm. and I've really grown to see it as a portal to beauty. So things that our mind tells us are going to take forever really Mm. only take seconds or minutes. I mean, have you ever cried at the grocery store and you think, oh my God, and there's this moment in the crying and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to totally lose it. I'm never going to stop sobbing. Mm. And then then you go like, I wonder what's for lunch. Mm. I'm so hungry. And you can see it just morphed. It's like it was met enough. It was witnessed enough. And then, and then, okay, I'm done. Hmm. And that's really how things go. So I've learned to trust that. And if I'm angry, I've learned that there's something I really need to pay attention to because unexpressed anger gets so sideways in our system. You know, it shuts down our sexuality. It shuts down our womb. It shuts down our love. So the cost that we pay is really not worth it. You know, talk about missing out on your kids' lives because mm-hmm. you're not present. And so the presence may have you deal with your anger. And one of the things I love to do is parts work. And we're going to do a lot of that inside of the Evolving Sisters Network. That's part of our healing track. It's just so ninja. Mm. And I do parts work when I drive. Mm. So I'm talking to all the parts and I'm sometimes I'm screaming. No one can hear me scream mm-hmm. on the freeway. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> I'm singing. <laughs> yeah. So there's always time. It fits. You know, it fits wherever you want to put it. Sobbing fits because when you sob and you really give space to it, it keeps you clean. It keeps you hygiene, like hygienic because mm-hmm. built up grief. Yeah. That takes its toll. That takes 
lots of time to unwind. That's less efficient than experiencing it in presence. Does that make sense? Oh my gosh, so much. And it brings me back to the cycles that we've been presencing. Um, You know, the fertile void being maybe on one part of the cycle and the um, like visibility and summer and ovulation being on the other side. And that our emotions are meant to be in motion. They're meant to, we're meant to cycle through them. They don't last forever unless we make them, you know, unless we manhandle them into stagnation. Yeah, unless we repress them. Yeah, I think that's part of what I've witnessed in my family dynamic. Um, particularly the person who just passed, it was just like she was sick from mm-hmm. so much repressed anger mm-hmm. and grief. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, we can't make her do it. No one could make her go there. That was an invitation always. We have free will to go there, but it's, it's, it's so kind to go there. The cycles are kind, you know, like every month we have a new moon and a full moon. We have an opportunity to, to feel like when you were talking about that summer, I was thinking of the full moon and the light and the things that come to light and the gratitude, like it's the reaping of the harvest. And then we empty our cup. So we're always letting go. When I was in India, every evening, People would gather on the the banks of the Ganges River and do this thing called arti. And arti was this fire ceremony. And then they would light these flowers, like a candle on these flowers and send them down the Ganga Mm. as a way of cleansing and cleaning their auric field all the time. So So imagine every single day at the end of the day, you're releasing and letting go of Mm. that day. And I thought there's something about the psyche that it just, it just keeps washing it clean, washing it clean so that nothing is held on to. So we don't have stacks of accumulated resentment, fears, anger, and grief. It's actually constantly processed. And Mm. wouldn't that be something you'd want to teach your kids? Mm. Mm. Well, it's very counterculture. (laughs) Our culture is definitely not teaching our kids to honor the darkness um, or the fertile void. Our culture really says, go, 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 create, be productive, you know, constant summer. Yeah. So if they're going to get it, they're probably going to get it from us. Um, And if we're going to give it to them, then we also have to give it to ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So let's be revolutionaries. Let's be revolutionaries. (laughs) Um, I want to come back to this, um, this word empowerment. um, Because when you were talking about your aunt, um, and that this was always available to her, and yet she didn't choose it. And that's to me, what empowerment is, it's a choice. And so as we are creating our altars, um, I also feel like this is a choice that we can do this. We can either say no. Now I have this wisdom, um, but I'm going to choose not to use it. Or we can say, yeah, I'm just going to put a flower 
in a vase and call that my altar and that's good enough, right? So like just making those teeny tiny choices to say yes to what is here for us. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm really glad that you presence that. You know, I was just, what flashed before my mind was um, a dog. Like so many families, I mean, if if you... If you uh, have a kid in college and you had a dog when they were born, chances are they've passed already. Mm -hmm. Dogs' lives are so much shorter. And those have been my teachers around grief. And I remember thinking, are you serious? She only lasts this long? And and if I get another dog, I'm going to have to do this again and again? Mm -hmm. And it was that fear that I have to meet that grief. So I'm I'm glad that we're talking about this because Mm -hmm. that's what's underneath even in this moment, this time in the Northern hemisphere where it's the darkest. And I remember seeing something on Facebook where uh, it was floating around that dogs prefer to have their owners there when they are euthanized. And a lot of owners don't want to be there. Mm-hmm. So this empowerment is, is really giving us access to a level of intimacy and connection mm-hmm. that we, that we, probably really deeply long for. And so if I had to like give us an an, an empowered action Mm. would be to, to in tiny micro ways, begin to meet that on the inside and begin to meet that grief, that darkness on the inside and just witness it. There's nothing you have to do about it. Because the light of your witness handles it. Just so if we can learn how we can just be with it, our own fears, our own darkness, then we can certainly show up for an animal or for a family member or for a kid who's going through something really hard at school. And instead of trying to make it different, to really just meet them Hmm. in that darkness. And just watch how naturally the light does appear. So this was going to be my next question is an empowering action that our listeners can take. So I'd love us, Kenlyn, to just pause here and do something else that is very counterculture, which is have like, you know, no sound come through. Um, our devices and just have a moment of that fertile void. Um, can you maybe walk us into that, um, that little cup of quote unquote nothingness, and then we'll come out and close. Yeah, that's perfect because at this moment where we find ourselves in this cycle of the moon, we are recording this right before a new moon. And it may even be released right before a new moon. So we can kind of use the night sky. Before, before the moon even is that crescent finger, like that uh, slice of finger, that crescent moon. And so just imagine, close your eyes for a moment and imagine the, the really dark night sky. And all the stars are out. And the more you can see the stars, the darker it is. Like maybe you're in the desert somewhere. And that outer darkness invites you to your inner darkness. 
And where we find that is inside of our bodies. So travel inside and descend. And go into that space. It's right around your belly button in the middle of your body. And see if you can find that empty space there. Let's take a few breaths and then we'll take a few moments of silence. A nice inhale here. And then exhale down into that space, going deeper and deeper. Let's do one more breath. Inhale through your nose. And then take that exhale all the way down. And then take another inhale, bringing that energy all the way up, letting it fill you, exhaling through your nose. And then just sense in your body what's there. Notice if you're relaxed. Notice how you feel. Let her open your eyes. What a beautiful way to close. Thank you, Kenlin, so much. I want to just encourage our listeners to check out Kenlin's work. You'll see all of that in the show notes. Okay. Thanks. Thank you, sister. Bye. Thank you, everyone. Bye. You've been listening to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. That's all for today, my friends. And here's what I want you to remember. Empowerment is an inside job. The only one who can empower you is you. Today's episode was produced by Brendan Lindsay. Intro and outro music are by Matthew Randolph. I'm Isabel Bridges, author of Daddy Daughter Day. I'm also the founder of the Mother's Empowerment Sisterhood. You can learn more about my work and join the sisterhood at isabelbridges.com. I'm offering a 50% off discount for a limited time only. So check it out today, isabelbridges.com.